5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Heading out to San Francisco For the Labor Day weekend show I got my hush puppies on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll One of the great lyrics all time there, Jimmy Buffett. A little Labor Day tune for you here. Come Monday on this Get You to the Weekend Friday. Come Monday, it'll be all right. Yes, indeed it has, uh, and it was quite a, a game on Thursday last night for the uh, Pirates in Charlotte. Uh, maybe, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a uh, melancholy, reflective uh, state for uh, Pirate Nation on this uh, Friday. Great to have you with us. Welcome in, everybody. Well, uh, hey, night, uh, 33-19, game not as close as uh, that final score would indicate. Let's be real honest about that. Certainly thought the Pirates... Uh, would have a little better accounting of themselves, but uh, unfortunately not the case. As uh, ECU drops the season opener in front of uh, nearly 37,000 fans at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Pirates did get on the board early, that 63-yard screen pass from Morgan Ehlers to Keaton Mitchell. And then as <laughs> as Terrence Copper mentioned on our Bush-Light Pirate Game Day countdown yesterday, you know, this new turf at Bank of America Stadium, the... The footing might be a little tricky. Well, it was for Owen Daffer, who slipped and missed the kick. Uh, And then uh, Chase Bryce started to look like an All-American. About three minutes later, they get on the board to Appalachian State with a 34-yard pass. Bryce to Hennigan, Cameron Peoples scored a touchdown. Um, 21-yard scamper. That made it uh, at the time. 14-6 14-6 in favor of Appalachian State. And that was a run of uh, four straight scores for the uh, Happy Appies. A couple of field goals for Chandler Staten. And then uh, the Hail Mary at the end. And look, it was a Sunbelt officiating crew. I-, I don't know when or how that was negotiated. But, you know, that that situation, because that, that was a boon game intent initially it was going to be an Appalachian State game initially they moved it to Charlotte so while it was a quote-unquote neutral site it was it was uh their home game so you know kind of technically when you do that it goes one of two ways typically the officials are from a from the visitors conference so in other words uh, my guess is it'll be SEC officials on Saturday the 11th when South Carolina plays here. That'll be an SEC crew, even though ECU is the home team. Or you get neutral officials. I'll you I'll you bet your sweet tookus 
that the game being played in Atlanta between Miami uh, and Alabama this weekend will have officials from a neutral conference, neither SEC or ACC. Same thing with uh, Georgia and uh, Clemson being played in Charlotte tomorrow night. It will not be an SEC crew. It will not be an ACC crew. It will probably be like a Big Ten crew, for example. So those are the two ways you could go. Whoever negotiated this contract, if it's John Gilbert, I don't think it was, but whoever did, you can't blame anybody but yourself there. You wind up with Sunbelt officials for what is basically an Appalachian State home game, even though it's at a neutral site. Look, I'm not sure that the call at the end of the half was correct on the field to begin with. I'm I'm not sure you could definitively say C.J. Johnson came down with the pass. But to get a hand on it and that gaggle of Mountaineer players and bring it down and, and just have a chance was a hell of a deal there. So it's called a touchdown on the field. You can't overturn that. There was no evidence that we saw. Now, in an NFL stadium like that, I don't know if they were utilizing all the camera angles, but let's assume that they were. Uh, you know, what we saw didn't, there was no definitive evidence to overturn the call on the field. So I'd like to know what that officiating crew out of the Sun Belt thought they saw on the field or in the replay that would have overturned a, a scoring play uh, there. And look, a lot's been made about the Holt Naylor's nearly 60 yard run that was called back on a hold. Probably a bad call, but you can call holding on every play, as we know, in, in college and pro football. High school football, for that matter, too. But that play and that ruling on the replay was unconscionable. And Mike Houston ought to be in touch with somebody from the Sun Belt, or John Gilbert should be in touch with somebody from the Sun Belt, because that was ridiculous. Now, look, ECU got outplayed. I don't know if that decides the game, but it certainly makes it a different game, and ECU has some momentum, because uh, the Pirates would have been down theoretically either by a 20 to 14 or 20 to 13 count at that point. So there you go. Uh, Pirates come out. They do get on the board after holding app. Uh, the Daffer 38-yard field goal, and that made it uh, 20 to 9. But then it was all Appalachian State after that. Pirates got a late Daffer field goal, 39-yarder this time, and then Ryan Jones on the pass from Holt Naylor's. Uh, with uh, under two minutes to go in the game. I'll say this. It was a nice night for football, at least. That was one of the good uh, parts of this whole thing, is that it was a lovely evening uh, in Charlotte, of course, here in the East as well, and going to be another lovely evening. But, look, I saw nothing last night, and I I don't want to be critical because I really do think the Mike Houston plan is going to work out. Uh, because I think he's got a vision. And look, people don't realize how behind the eight ball this program was. This is the first year with the full 85 scholarships. This is a a total reformation and a total rebirth of this pirate football program under Coach Houston. But it is a little disappointing that a guy who does drive home and preach discipline, we're not seeing toughness and discipline from his football team so far. I thought the offensive line looked really, really bad again last night. The defense looked confused at times. And y'all aren't going to like this. A lot of you aren't. But Holton Ehlers, now he 
you know, ran for his life and didn't have a lot of time and app dominated up front. But I mean, in my opinion, he was very average last night, not his best game. And I, I just, I don't see anything right now that leads me to have a great deal of optimism that things that needed to be fixed in the program were fixed in the off season. And you know, Look, Appalachian State's good. I think it's I think it's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people listening to this right now that Appalachian State's program is ahead of ECU's program right now because they're in a so-called lesser league and the Sun Belt and the Sun Belt is a lesser league top to bottom than but it's still a pretty good league. I mean, you've got Coastal in there. Georgia Southern's had some good teams. We saw what Georgia State did last year to ECU. And look, the brand name on the jersey is what Appalachian State was fired up about last night. It was a big national showcase for them. But, I mean, at some point for, for East Carolina, the tide will turn. And, and I just I, – uh, when that will be, I don't know. Because this schedule still is brutal. Now, in my heart of hearts, I felt like App was the better team who was going to win the game. I just didn't think ECU would look – as deficient in some areas as they did. I thought there would be some improvement. I thought we would see a lot better look from, uh, well, you know, from from the offensive line. That was much valued in the offseason. We talked about it yesterday on the pregame. You got the same defensive coordinator, so the same scheme for the first time since 15. And then Holt Naylor's, it just He looked like a bad version of Holden Aylers last night. Held the ball too long at times. Still just that big kind of wine delivery on the passes. I mean, it just last night was maybe a perfect storm because as aggressive as App was up front and as bad as the offensive line played, but not the best game for Holden Aylers last night. And there were explosion plays. I mean, Keaton Mitchell was the, one of the fastest guys on the field last night. But it was a tough, tough deal last night and a tough pill to swallow. Uh, we've got uh, a full show for you here today. We'll get to some comments from the post game in our pirate report. And uh, also coming up a little bit uh, later on, Bobby Labonte will join us. NASCAR Hall of Famer. Bobby Labonte is uh, going to be in Eastern North Carolina racing this weekend. We'll tell you the where and the when on the Patrick Johnson show, but a timeout and we'll come back with more. Here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3 the game. Our Pirate Report, straight ahead. There will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 94.3thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today to the brand new 94.3thegame.com. You are dismissed. Pirate football lives on game days right here. Here we go. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. And the Pirate Report today is brought to you by Seahorse Steakhouse, where you'll always get Danny's Steaks and Mama's Cakes, also by Dogwood State Bank exceptional progressive customer service, and the latest financial products in a cost-effective way. Also, by Comfort Master and Comfort Air of New Bern. Call Comfort Master for your heating and A.C. needs. Lewis Farley and Robin Bowen 
Two great pirates. And also by Bill Clark Holmes, who just made a huge contribution to Pirate Nation by purchasing the entire upper deck for the South Carolina game to honor first responders in our military. Bill Clark Holmes personifies pirates supporting pirates. All right, uh, some post-game audio from last night. This is Coach Houston giving all the credit, a tip of the cap, to the Appalachian State Mountaineers, a 33-19 winner over the Pirates. They've got a really good football team. They've got a chance to have a really special year. And I told Sean before the game, just really respected what I saw on film from last year, and um, that's what they look like tonight. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really good football team. We made uh, we made too many mistakes to uh, to be able to have a chance to win the game, uh, but I am proud of the way the kids uh, played and competed. Mike Houston asked, uh, where was an area where the Pirates uh, were, in a sense, manhandled or dominated by Appalachian State? Well, I thought that I thought that the you know their fronts uh, really are the difference in the ball game. I mean, it's true. I mean, they got they have they have veteran skilled kids on offense that made some big big plays, but their ability to control the line of scrimmage on both sides is really the difference in the ball game. Today's pirate report: Mike Houston, post game of Appalachian State last night in Charlotte, says that the Mountaineers were aggressive on defense. Well, I mean, they they, they pressured a lot more tonight than they showed in any game last year. You know. It, they had not shown that much pressure, but still, I mean, it's, uh, it's something we got to be able to handle. We saw a lot of blitzing from Appalachian State. That's something that Mike Houston said uh, that they were, or something they got to handle better. You know, we had some ID issues right there for a little while. Got that corrected, uh, but that was, you know, that was the big source of it. A lot of pirate penalties in that game. Some self-inflicted, some questionable calls. Mike Houston asked about that in the postgame. We didn't we didn't get any breaks tonight, but uh, you know that's you know that's no here or there. I don't I don't think that would have made a difference in winning or losing the ball game. Mike Houston handling that fairly diplomatically, but uh, a follow up question to that coming from uh, Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors, and, and it was what was the explanation that the officials gave Mike Houston for the overturned Hail Mary touchdown call that C.J. Johnson hauled in at the end of the half? They said that. Uh, 21 caught the ball on the ground. I, I didn't see that from the jumbo. I mean, everybody in the stadium saw the jumbotron, so that's, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll look at the film tomorrow. For Appalachian State, their quarterback played a lot better than he did at Duke last year, Chase Bryce. The, the difference is it's, it's a different situation for him. You know, he, he came into Duke in July, you know, didn't have a whole offseason learning the offense, you know, did not have the supporting cast he has that. I mean, he came in, had all spring, all summer. He has a strong supporting cast. I mean, four, four sixty-year seniors, strong offensive line, two strong tailbacks, solid run game. I mean, there's just there's not as much pressure on him. You know, that's I, th- I think it's it's a great situation for him because it allows him to really you know play to his strengths. I thought he played a really good game tonight. Here's a question about what Mike Houston's message was to the Pirates after the loss to App State. You know, I told I, I told him I said I'd already decided this morning. You know, if we'd have won the game tonight, I was going to tell them that one game doesn't make your season. Um, and same thing with a loss. I mean, uh, you know, you lost to a quality opponent. Um, we got to, you know, learn from those mistakes. I mean, it's it's this it's going to be a great film to learn from because you know yeah, they they're good at what they do. And so, um, you know, it's you correct your mistakes. You come back. You start getting ready for next week little glitchy audio there, but uh, the message is put this behind you, move on to next week, and let's improve the things that we can improve. Uh, it's our Pirate Report. Here's some post-game comments now from Pirate quarterback, local kid, Holton Ehlers. Hate losing. Um, you know, I think we 
could have played a lot better. Um, it starts with me. Um, if you want to blame someone, blame Holt Naylor's. You know, don't put on anyone else. Uh, O-line gave me time. I probably scrambled a little bit too much, but uh, you just got to learn and get better. Goals get six, and that's what we're going to do. Holton asked about uh, what Appalachian State did defensively that disrupted the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, they're a good group. I mean, most of those guys are super seniors. Um, and, you know, I mean, they, they got an extra year and came back to, to do what, what they did tonight. Um, I mean, they, they have a good team. Uh, they've been ranked last two years, I'm pretty sure. And we just got to – they're a good team. And, you know, just got to kind of learn from this and keep growing. Holt Naylor's asked, did Appalachian State's physicality surprise the Pirates? Not at all. I mean, we knew going in um, that they were physical. I mean, those guys have played a lot of football games together, a lot of big games. I mean, they've beat pretty much everyone in the state now and then South Carolina as well with those same guys. So uh, we knew they were going to be good. They were going to be physical. And uh, you just got to keep preparing and keep getting better. This question about uh, Tyler Sneed kind of not getting going, did that plan for him? Yeah, they schemed him good. Um, you know, it's kind of like you know UCF last year. Their goal was to take Snead away. A couple of our old coaches from Coach Mo's staff were on that staff and kind of knew that Tyler was our heartbeat. So, um, I mean, yeah, um, you got to get you got to get him the ball as much as possible. Um, yeah, that's that's my job is to get him the ball, get playmakers the ball. So, um, I'm sure we'll do that. Um, he's a heck of a player, and he, he definitely needs the ball more by me. Hold Naylor's was asked to uh, assess his performance against Appalachian State. Last night, Ehlers, uh, 22 out of 41 with a pick. He had that touchdown pass on the screen and uh, winds up throwing for 295 yards. Uh, also had uh, the touchdown uh, late in the game. So this is uh, Holton Ehlers breaking down his near 300-yard passing performance, but uh, just over 50% completion percentage against App. Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed in myself. Um, I know I'm a better football player than what I put on the field tonight. Um, like I said, I, if, if we want to win, i got to be better. Credit to Holton for uh, taking that approach and being the leader of the team. And, and look, I, I've said it all along, and we talked to Holton about this a couple weeks ago. Nobody wants to win any more than Holton Ehlers does. And he does whether he will uh, admit it or not, whether he says he thrives on that. I, I think Holton feels a lot of pressure. And when he can play a little more free, I think he will be better. I, I'm anxious to see how this team rebounds this week and next uh, Saturday against the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. All right, uh, let's break. Bobby Labonte coming up in a little bit. This has been today's Pirate Report. But right now, over to Ben Byram. And uh, Ben's going to update you on everything going on with a 94-3 the game. Sports Flash. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. We all know ECU fell last night to App State and Charlotte 33-19 in the Dukes-Mayo Classic after an early spirited effort for a touchdown by Pirate running back Keaton Mitchell to quickly make it 6-0. The Pirates didn't play up to par from there on, going into halftime trailing 20-6 after a controversial buzzer-beating Hail Mary touchdown that was overturned for the Pirates. Here is ECU head coach Mike Houston with the official explanation the refs gave for the overturned call. They said that uh, 21 caught the ball on the ground. I, I didn't see that from the jumbo. I mean, everybody in the stadium saw the jumbotron, so that's, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll look at the film tomorrow. 
The Pirates look to bounce back from this gut-riching loss next Saturday, September 11th, as they host SEC opponent South Carolina and Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Happening elsewhere in college football, American Conference foes UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are being considered top candidates for Big 12 expansion. Another team being heavily considered is BYU. Plenty of games kicking off tonight. We start 10th ring UNC traveling up to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech at 6. The Tar Heels are favored by 5.5 points. Later on at 7, Duke battles Charlotte. The 49ers are the underdogs by 6.5 points. Old Dominion takes on Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons are the heavy 31.5 point favorites. And capping off all the action later tonight at 9, Northwestern hosts Michigan State. Michigan State Spartans are the underdogs by a field goal. Breaking news out of high school football, D.H. Conley's game tonight against Cleveland has been canceled and will not be rescheduled. And from Major League Baseball, L.A. Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer has, of course, once again had his administrative leave extended due to an ongoing sexual assault investigation. And Chicago Cubs manager David Ross has tested positive for COVID-19. That's going to do it for your 94 through the game sports update. I'm Ben Barham. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Coming up Sunday at the Carteret County Speedway, Smart Modified Series, Southern Modified Auto Racing Tour will uh, be there. And uh, one of the uh, drivers will be uh, 2000 NASCAR Cup Series champion. They say he's semi-retired. I guess he is semi-retired. Uh, Star car uh, driver analyst for NASCAR on uh, Fox Now, Bobby Labonte, uh, joining us uh, here on the uh, program. Uh, Bobby, Patrick Johnson, Trent McGee, it's great to have you with us. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Good morning. Good morning to you. All right, give us an idea of uh, what's going on this uh, weekend. Uh, you'll be in Carteret County Racing. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Southern Modified uh, Tour this year, I think we're right at 10 or 11 races, and this is the second race of a four-race stretch, which is not not the easiest probably for everybody just for the fact of, uh, you know, everybody that every, all the teams are, you know, got other jobs and they race on the weekends type of thing, so no different than us. And uh, we had a great weekend last weekend at Dillon, so we're excited about going to Carteret. Um, I've, I've heard the place is beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, amazing, and I've heard that from Larry McReynolds to everybody that I talked to. So uh, we're looking forward to, to going, um, you know, and, and the whole tour, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, we're um, on a good four-race stretch, which is, um, you know, for everybody, it's a, it's a little bit of a long haul, but I think everybody is looking forward to it and, um, you know, excited about going to a new venue. Uh, for the for us and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I mean, obviously, uh, look at the weather. Uh, looks like it's going to be very very nice. So um, yeah, I mean, everything looks great. Uh, should be great for the fans, and I think these cars are going to be fun to race there. I know you're excited because you are coming off uh, a first win in the series, uh, the aforementioned uh, event in Dillon at the Motor Speedway there. Uh, give me a little bit about that race and, and winning that one uh, for the first time on this series. Yeah, you know we we've been uh, you know pretty quick, uh, pretty quick all year, uh, and this is the first year I've, I've driven the modifies. I drove one at Dillon, I mean at Dillon Florence last year. Uh, for um, John Smith was was out, so I drove their car, 
and uh, we finished fourth there. And I was just like, okay, this is this is good. So we made a deal uh, with Mike to to run he, he and Terry their car this year. So this is my first year at it, and uh, you know I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, we've been fast, you know, almost everywhere we've been. So we just you know haven't been able to get to victory lane, and we finally got there Saturday night. But uh, yeah, I mean they're. Uh, they're a blast to drive, and you know, you got racing against the Myers brothers. Uh, you got Danny Bone was in there. You got Brandon Ward. Uh, you know, these guys are you know been doing this for a little bit, for a while, and, and different you know different tracks across the North Carolina, South Carolina, Bowman Gray, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a great mix of drivers. And uh, again, I think the to me the cars are, I mean, they're just a blast to drive because it's it's a handful. You got to manage your tires. You got to manage how you drive it. you got to think about it every lap. You can't just, you know, make laps. you got to really save stuff or go when it comes time to go. Is this, I, I guess it is in a way, kind of going back to to your roots and how you started in the sense, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, obviously, I, I grew up racing short tracks. Well, I didn't grow up racing short tracks, but I, when I grew up and started racing short tracks, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, Caraway Speedway was my home track just because, it was 15 minutes from home. That's about all we could afford, right? So we knew we could go there like for one month before we had to put gas in the truck. And um, <laughs> so, <laughs> honestly, right? So, yeah. So then, you know, we started going to different tracks, short tracks, and then obviously career took off. But, you know, as far as, I mean, and I've been to a, a lot of short tracks. Uh, you know, on a side note, we own a chassis company called Longhorn Chassis that races dirt late models all across the country. So short track, short track, short track. So, uh, to me, I thought whenever, you know, I mean, this is not this is kind of the best involvement in short tracks I've had in a while, but, but I mean, just the fact that um, being able to go back to short tracks, kind of give back, you know, and, and, and the fans. I mean, obviously, you know, the fans that are there, um, you know, these are diehard, um, you know, they're the, the backbone, the roots, uh, you know, of the grassroots racing that we, you know, that gets you to that point. And I just enjoy going to that, to venues like that, that, you know, when you have that amount of people there, that, that uh, crowd that uh, is enthusiastic and, you know, we can hopefully uh, sign autographs for or yeah. see or, you know, whatever that, uh, you know, that just makes it, you know, I don't know, it just, it just feels good to be able to, to do that. And, uh, you know, it's just exciting for me. I love doing it. I love short track racing and, Dang, I finally won one. So better. <laughs> no better time than to uh, to be promoting the event in Carteret County at the Speedway. There, it'll be Sunday. The Smart Modified Series Southern Modified Auto Racing Tour. The great Bobby Labonte uh, joining us uh, here on the program uh, today. Uh, Bobby, that that was uh, you, you talked about the interaction with the fans. It's it's a very grassroots, organic uh, sort of uh, relationship at that level, but. Uh, Despite the fact that uh, you know you you uh, are a young man, still uh, you have been doing this quite a while, and I'm sure uh, the cool thing about these series is, like you say, they're guys that do this and have done this for years that just have regular jobs that do it on the weekends. Uh, there's guys like yourself that have driven at the highest level who uh, who do it because it's still in your blood. But I have to imagine there's some young up and comers too that are trying to cut their teeth and and rise their way through the ranks. So. The conversations with your fellow drivers and their crews probably range from all kinds of things to uh, from remember when stories or uh, what have you. But also, I would have to imagine a lot of uh, young drivers would 
be wise to seek you out and, and get some mentorship. Well, yeah, I mean, there's it, it's definitely a wide variety, and uh, that that is exciting. That makes it that makes it fun. Uh, I love helping. Uh, you know, I can, and uh, you know, I mean, we've got uh, Danny Bond that was racing at uh, at uh, Dillon last weekend. He's going to be at Arlington this week in the truck, and I talked to him different times throughout the year, year and a half, two years almost. You know, about he's going to. You know, he, he's not. Um, I mean, he's kind of a in-between guy as far as his age. He's still young, really young, but yet he's he's not, you know, 15 young, right? And uh, <laughs> but you know, trying to help him at some tracks that I've been to, and I mean, we just kind of hit upon hit hit it off as a when I met him for the first time. So yeah, that, and then you know, then you have veterans or, or guys in the sport that's been around for a long time, and car owners and such, and you know, people that I might have known and. and uh, you know, it does become uh, a different conversation, and uh, when you do talk to the younger, younger, younger crowd, you know, the ones that are eighteen, that eighteen, nineteen, twenty, or something like that, is like, you know, hey, my dad. You know, they'll say they'll start off by saying, "Yeah, my dad watched you when when you were racing the interstate battery car," and I yeah. go, "Wait a minute, let me do the math here. So you weren't born yet, right?" So, so my, you know, my first thought is, "Well, I'm kind of pissed off." Well, no, wait a minute. Okay, all right. I'll, <laughs> you know, it's like so. So it's just kind of weird that it, you know you, I grew up right. I, I never thought I'd grow old, right? So, uh, but at the same time, I mean, like I said, I mean, um, you know, I, I'm not going to say 100, percent but I'd say 99.9 percent of the drivers that are coming up. You know, I admire them, I watch them, I, you know, and I would love to help anybody. You know, I mean, because um, you know, racing so hard, and you, know, you don't. If you don't have a gazillion dollars in the bank and you're doing it on your own dollar and you're doing it with your family and you're doing it, you know, and that's all you want to do, then that then that really, you know, I mean, it's it's a hard road and it's always good. I had my brother, I had other people that I looked up to. I asked the questions in school. I never asked a question because I sat in the back and said, "I wish I was racing." Right. Right. But in racing, I asked questions because that's what I knew I wanted to do. So. You know, so it's good. To, I think it's, you know, and I'm, you know, I don't have any, I'm not biased. So it's like if somebody says, hey, you know, they have a question, I'd be more happy to help because it's, it doesn't affect me. I don't have a, a dog in a fight because I'm not trying to pick a pick a person over another person. So, yeah, it, it's really, it's, it, it's good. I mean, I, I love that, um, you know, there's so many guys and gals that are trying to get into racing into the Cup Series. And, you know, unfortunately, there's only room for so many, but there's a lot that want to be there, right? Hey Bobby, so when you can you, help somebody, yeah, that'd be great. When you look at the current state of NASCAR right now, uh, in your opinion, healthy is it thriving? Where is NASCAR right now in terms of popularity amongst fans? And you mentioned drivers wanting to get into it, but uh, what's the current state of NASCAR in your opinion right now? Uh, it's healthy. Uh, I think it's healthy in drivers. I think it's healthy in uh, competition. Uh, I think that uh, you know the fan is. I think the fan uh, appeal is going through a transition from when I was, you know, 15 years ago. You know, I think that it's kind of on a rebound, but it's a slow rebound. And just for the fact that uh, household names back then are not household names today. I mean, today's drivers are not household names like we were back then. And that comes from a lot of different things where, you know, people aren't, you know, they don't have time to look at things. they got different things to do. 
sponsors don't do some things. I mean, it's just it's just a little different uh, dynamic today. But you know, as each weekend goes on, it's pretty much beating everybody's head who Christopher Bell is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who Tyler Reddick is. You know, Kevin Harvick. A lot of people already know, obviously. So I think everything's. I think to me, you watch it. I watch it as a fan. I'm on the couch. My heart rates up. I'm like, holy cow, look at that. You know. And <laughs> so I love it. But at the same time, it's how do you get the you know 180,000 people to a racetrack like there used to be? You can't pay them today, right? So that's the hard one. Even though more people are watching, or a lot of people are watching on TV, and it is healthy, but it's just how do you get that dynamic together? And um, that's probably the biggest thing that I can see. Is like how do we get the grandstands completely full like we used to, right? And some of that some of that comes from the household names. And what what people do, sponsors do or don't do what they used to do, and you know, just you know, people paying attention more, not paying attention now. It's it's that, but I, that everything to me in racing drivers, uh, team wise, I think it's I think it's solid. NASCAR Hall of Famer Bobby Labonte with us. When I told people we were having Bobby Labonte on, just to speak to your point, oh yeah, but I mean they knew Bobby Labonte. Um, you know the the. the the crash involving uh, in Daytona a few years ago, uh, the driver that got uh, hurt in that was Blaney, I believe, right? So, um, oh, uh, Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman. Newman. I'm yeah. sorry, Ryan Newman. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we, yeah. you know, we've talked to Ryan prior to that crash on on the radio, and you had to be more of a hardcore race fan to kind of know Ryan Newman. In other words, I told people that, and they said, "Okay, who's that again?" I think. Again, I say Bobby, and I'm not just blowing smoke because you're on here with me. I, I'm 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 being you know earnest in this. So I, I do think there is, there are some issues, and it is improved with the drivers becoming more personality driven. But in a lot of ways, NASCAR, in my opinion, Bobby just can't get out of their own way with tinkering with the formats, back to back road races. I mean, little things like that. I mean, they threw dirt on a on a track out in Tennessee, and it looked like. Uh, the wind was blowing across the sand across uh, Highway 12 along the Outer Banks. I mean, there, you could see more asphalt than you could dirt in some case. It, it, so the, the people who govern the sport, and I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot here, but in some ways, are, are they almost overthinking this? Well, I, I, I think overthinking can, can play into not just racing, but our world, right? People overthink everything. But, um, well, I don't know. I mean, just, you know, I mean, I think you... I mean, it's like to me, you know, if you don't do anything, you're if, they, if NASCAR did nothing with the schedule and the points and this and that, where would that be at today? It's hard to say because we didn't do that. But at the same time, I do believe change is sometimes good, even though I'm not always agree with it. But I think, and and when you change, if you don't, you might not always make the right decision, so you have to go through it. And I think NASCAR it's so hard as a sport or as a company. When they were so successful, why should you change, right? But then all of a sudden, they looked and, and they woke up one day and they were like, "Oh my God, there's not as many fans. There's not as much this." So they had to start changing, but they're they were already behind, right? Because they were too scared to change when it was good. So I don't I don't disagree with some things. I don't agree with everything, of course. But I think NASCAR has to figure that out, and they have to figure out what what's really right for the core people. Now the core people might be 55 years old. So what's right for the 25-year-old? Right. And that's a hard dynamic because we don't know, always know exactly what all 25-year-olds think. You know, I, I talk, but, uh, I've i talked to Brad Keselowski, too, a couple times on, on radio, and um, I don't know if he was the guy to originate the idea, but 
moving races to weeknights might be, you know, something that he's discussed. Uh, and yeah. I know drivers currently have kind of advocated for in this in these models. I don't know how much steam that has now, but, you know, a handful of years ago, that was something that was kind of being bandied about. I, I just think little changes like that, as you say, um, exposure of the product might be as great now with streaming and, and TV as it ever has been, but it seems like you've got to put it in a position where more people can can kind of check it out a little bit. What, what say you on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's all about eyeballs and, 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 and everything like that. You know, I mean, it still comes down to, it still comes down to personalities too, though. I mean, you know, if, 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 if uh, you know, rivalries, personalities and excitement and drama and blah, 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 you know, like we used to have in the, <laughs> the 90s and early 2000s yeah. with Earnhardt Gordon, you know, you had Rusty Wallace, you had Dale Jarrett, which in myself, quiet terry real quiet you know and you had a, a dynamic view of it all and and uh, we didn't have the cell phone per se that you know showed the video because we couldn't we were on an airplane but today you could see it um but i mean brad is very very smart and i think there is some something to a uh, wednesday night i mean that's a different thing now you know i mean before you wouldn't have thought about that but now it's like okay maybe we should do wednesday night you know maybe we should do some more and and don't get me wrong as we all know, in everything that we, everything that we think about that somebody should be doing better, we don't know the whole story of either why they're doing it better or not doing it better. Because I guarantee you, they know more about it than I do, right? And what the reason why they're doing what they're doing. So, but you know, I mean, I think NASCAR is still doing a good job at, at what they want to change to and what they uh, what they think is right because they know more about it than I do. But what is that right? I mean, it's just hard to. It's a hard one to to figure out and uh you know whether it's a wednesday night race whether it's shorter races but i don't think the biggest thing that i want to say is fans do not want to be complicated they do not want to have to say oh dear lord i gotta have a math degree and or uh not a math degree i have to have a a degree in in something excel spreadsheet i gotta have to be a master (laughs) at it to figure out the point system and the metrics and all that stuff it's like just tell me who starts first. I don't really care who, how they got there, you know. Uh, some people do, but not everybody. I mean, so I think making it simple has got to be better. It's got to be the right thing. Now, whether or not they always do it right, not always, but, you know, that's, I mean, you can't go to the grocery store either and have yeah. everything perfect, right? It's just the way it is. <laughs> so, so saying that, I think that it's, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a hard one, but, you know, Again, I'll start off by going back to the Wednesday night. Sounds pretty good to me, or a Thursday night. Yeah. Like, that would be yeah. good for, for NASCAR race. The great Bobby Labonte, uh, numerous wins in his career, uh, and uh, he'll be racing at the uh, Carter at Speedway on Sunday, the Smart Modified Series Southern Modified Auto Racing Tour. Uh, Bobby coming off a win on that tour last time out in South Carolina. Uh, we appreciate him being with us here. Over 20 wins in his career, over 200 uh, uh, top tens, and uh, was a pole setter more than uh, two dozen uh, times in his uh, storied career. Uh, joining us here is the great Monty Dutton said, all of the uh, the best tracks are in the towns with the worst hotels, and the uh, <laughs> the uh, tracks that are uh, the worst tracks are the ones with the best hotels. I think Trent's got a follow up for you. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to say Carteret County, beautiful speedway, and, and Dylan is as well. I know you're racing a few different tracks in this series, but the biggest adjustment for you, Bobby, racing uh, this particular kind of car in this series, what's what's that been? Uh, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think, I mean, I don't know, it's. Uh, that's, I don't. I don't really. I mean, obviously, the when you go from the Cup Series and you show up and there's, you know, 
15 engineers and you have everything figured out and uh, and all that and you know you get in the car and you usually you know you're racing 36 times a year and you test you know 10 times on top of that and you're in the simulator all the time so when you get in one of these it's pretty much you know Mike's Mike's like hey you want to um, you want to try this spring today I'm like uh sure why not <laughs> try that uh, how much stagger you want? Ooh, that sounds like too much. But you know, basically, at the end of the day, it's all about feel, right? So, the feel of the car, and 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 at, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So, to me, when I feel this car, I mean, I can feel it through my butt. I can feel it through my hands, and you know, I mean, the tires are big, and the motor's big, and you know, the grip level's strong until it you know goes away. Um, you know, I probably like that. You know, over. You know, over I have no aerodynamics, right? I, I've lost all my, mm-hmm. you know, side bike, what we used to call it, or, or you know, aero uh, side force, right? So anyway, uh, to me, I just think that you know, to, when I feel it, I just get out there and I'm like, hey, mash the gas, and I can feel the right front, I can feel the right rear, and then after that, it's I don't even know notice what it is, and um, I just keep my eye on the racetrack and worry about that. So um, yeah, it's a um, Kind of a crazy feel i mean but it's like a short track car just doesn't have the aerodynamics i mean it does but it's got open wheel and uh but biggest thing for me i like about it it's just got a good feel to it meaning that it drives good turns good you get on the gas and you could feel the right rear and you know it just you know to me it's like okay that's that's a comfort zone for me well i'll think about you when i pull in to get that cookout cheeseburger later on this <laughs> afternoon <laughs> When you when you get to the double drive through, right, you gotta have a good feeling, right? So you make you make that left hand turn to the window, and usually when you cut that other guy off, if you have to, it feels good. It does feel good. Great. Yes, it does feel good. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this really quick, Bob. You know, we've talked about uh, uh, NASCAR's woes, but I really enjoyed the hell out of the the srx series this year uh and it was you know it's great obviously to have a a a broadcast national tv partner involved in that uh with cbs you were involved in some of that again i enjoyed it i thought that was in a lot of ways that series which i get was kind of made for tv but they were doing things at these short tracks or smaller tracks that nascar maybe ought to look at doing maybe on a little more blown up level but to me uh that camping world SRX series got it right this year. What did you think? I think it was amazing. Uh, I think they had a lot of great, um, um, uh, I mean, the venues were great. Um, the fans were amazing. The cars were all the same. I mean, I, I truly believe that no, no, they didn't, I mean, they didn't drive like the modified say for instance, but they all have a feel for them. It's like, well, it doesn't want to turn as good. But it's not built to turn as good. So, and everybody has similar things, similar, well, very similar cars. Obviously, they're all the same. But everybody from different venues, um, the um, from different venues came and were fast, right? I mean, they all did great. Uh, I think the sport uh, on the network. Uh, I think Ray and Tony. Uh, I think the the fans that showed up. I mean, Nashville was probably the most electric. Uh, crowd that we had full full capacity um, in the short race, and it was just I think it was welcomed by a lot of people that wanted to see it. Now, whether it's not, it was all about me. I'm not sure. Probably not. <laughs> but it was it was fun because everybody wanted to talk about it. You know, whenever we got home from a race weekend, it was like 
everybody just wants to talk about it. And just like you guys, I mean, you watched it, you paid attention to it, yeah. social media, everything was great about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a great success. It was fun. We had a great time. And uh, every every track to me had a story. We don't have time. I know you don't have time for it. But yeah. every track to me had a story. I either met people I haven't met people I've admired or knew about, heard about, um, made friends with those people, saw people I haven't seen in years, you know, that I got reacquainted with that I raced with back on my short track days. And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, every track to me had a story, whether it was a Poncho Carter at, at Indianapolis Raceway Park. He's there with his son. I'm like, dude, it's Poncho Carter, which I talked to him before, but it's like, yeah. Does he, does he even know who I am? You know? And it's like, he, <laughs> yeah. he goes, hey, Bobby, of course, I have my uniform on. He's like, hey, man. So we talked for 15 minutes, you yeah. know? Guys that we had bought quarter midgets from when we were kids, my dad bought quarter midgets from them. I saw them there. You know, we talked to them. You know, a guy that I raced the Daytona prototype for at Daytona, he was my crew chief on a late model when I was up there doing, as we were traveling throughout Ohio, you know? Um, and just, you know, it's like, okay. This is the most fun I've had in a long time. What a great uh, summer break, right? Yeah. Bobby, we got a scoop. Thanks. Best of luck. Uh, Sunday, Carteret County Speedway, Smart Modified Series, Southern Modified Auto Racing Tour. Thanks for the time. Yeah, I bet you didn't know I was going to talk that much, but thanks, guys. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. We'll be back. Online or on the go. Love it. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day. You need to. Tell your smart speaker to stream 943 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 943 The Game. The song to end it all of the summer there. Yeah. Uh, hey, we have uh, high school football around uh, our county tonight. One and one Farmville Central, one and one West Carteret. Aiden Grifton against two and oh Kinston tonight. That'll be played down in Littlefield. No game for the second straight week for uh, South Central. They will get their shot at Cleveland next Friday. Action from last night. Break up the North Pitt Panthers. They got their first win last week against Manio. Last night they bombed Southeast Halifax 48-19. So the Panthers moved to 2-1. and one. How about that? Rose falling to 0-3. They got hammered at Northeastern last night. And then uh, a loss for JP2 as they played Wake Christian last night and uh, got beat 14-7, a turnover-plagued affair. So lots of football this weekend. I'm going to be off Labor Day. Ben Byron will be in with a fresh show, a live show for you on Labor Day Monday at 5 o'clock right here. He'll have uh, everything you need to know out of ECU camp. Also, uh, a recap of all the goings-on from uh, the high school, uh, rather the uh, college football opening weekend. And we'll also uh, bring you uh, Jim Zoki talking about the Panthers making their way into week one. Uh, NFL season getting underway with week one next week. So uh, the Panthers, you'll hear them on uh, Talk 103.7, our sister station, WTIB. All right, uh, big thanks today to Bobby Labonte for joining Trent McGee and myself. We'll be back at it uh, Monday. Ben Byram in for the Labor Day edition. I'll be back Tuesday. Houston Huddle then on the Patrick Johnson Show. I wish you a safe and wonderful Labor Day weekend.